0: I think I, got the flu. I think I got the bird flu, I'm tired of salad packs, I think I need a bird or two I think I got the bird flu, I'm tired of salad packs, packs. packs. What's going on everybody? It is Jason J. Bird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View I want to apologize to my listeners as the top of this program right now because I know this audio sounds a little weird, right? I mean, this microphone, I'm plugging in, and plugging in, and it's, it's not, I, the microphone itself shows that it's on, but when I go to have put, select an audio input, it's not letting me do it. I tried resetting my computer and everything, but it's just not working. And somehow, it let my computer freaking restarting. I mean, it just it's just been a whole mess right now, and honestly, I was annoyed. I was saying, screw this. I'm not going to record the podcast. I don't want shitty audio. But I haven't recorded for you guys in a while. Uh, Partially, I was traveling over the weekend. Thus, I didn't have time to record a Friday episode. And because I was traveling, I didn't watch any sports over the weekend. I was in Nashville, Tennessee. Lost my voice completely. I would have gotten that good show. Actually, uh, for uh, for you Curb Your Enthusiasm fans out there, my lost voice sounded exactly like Marty Funkhauser. so away, this could have been the Marty Funkhauser podcast. But because of that reason, I was not able to record uh, over the weekend. I just didn't have good content. But now I'm back. I have better content for you guys. Actually, a ton of content. And that's why I'm keeping today's episode. Is just because there's so much to talk about. I mean, from the Yankees, I'm giving my MLB All-Star roster predictions. The Euros have been absolutely insane. Some college baseball, some exciting news in college athletics. Keeping my top five countdowns, I mean, there's so much to talk about. Sometimes they say, the show must go on. So despite the crappy audio, we're going to keep this episode going. I know you're all listening on Thursday, and that's a weird day for me. Uh, Some people are off work on Friday, and for that reason... I don't want to do a Friday episode uh, in case you're not working. I want people to be listening to this on their way to work while working. But that's really about it. So let's get to the Yankees. And honestly, I'm not going to say the same crap I've been saying. Uh, It's the same crap where, oh, can't hit, can't come up with a timely hit, can't hit with runners on base. It's it's the same stuff, and I'm not going to talk about the Yankees the way I have like all year. It's going to be repetitive at this point. Uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you, though, I couldn't have been happier to have been in Nashville this weekend and not watch one pitch of that Yankees-Red Sox series. Because from everything on Twitter, and just from watching the highlights, just an absolute disaster of a series, possibly the low point of the season for the Yankees. So yeah, was really glad I was in Nashville and not be able to watch that. And then they come, they say their season's on the line, and they look absolutely flat on Monday. And at this point, there's a lot, a lot of concern for the Yankees. Uh, You know, the last two games have looked differently, but hey, we say this a lot with the two games. I'm not really going to give my actual opinion on where I think this team truly stands until the All-Star break. Maybe they go into the All-Star break with momentum. Uh, so I'm going to wait to the Ulsterberg to actually give more of an evaluation of this team to see where they're at after the next two, three, two weeks. Uh, but hey, you know, they looked great yesterday. They had their best offensive output of the season yesterday, I'm recording Wednesday, and Tuesday's game against the Angels really looked phenomenal. Everyone had hits. Glaber Torres, who I was calling for, I even tweeted out that Glaber Torres should get benched for a couple of games just to get his head right. And honestly, teach him a lesson because if this is Gary Sanchez struggling, we might just be designated him, him for assignment. But Glaver Torres continues to get away. A large part is, who are we going to start? Fucking Tyler Wade? Oof. You know, and he looked good again today. So right now the Yankees are in their second rain delay, but they're up 7 to 4. We got after Otani, which was big. I mean, show me Ohtani. Otani. He didn't get out of the first inning, give seven earned runs, four walks, two hits. We crushed, we absolutely crushed Otani. Uh, But, thank God, because he's been raking this series. He just met the homer in Yankee Stadium. That dude is something special. And, you know, I said I'm going to give my stance on this team after the All-Star break. Uh, I said, uh, you know, I just talked about, oh, uh, Otani, he's going to be an All-Star, obviously. So now... I'm gonna go and I'm gonna give my All-Star roster predictions. Now, look before before I get into this, there's a lot of guys in the American League who are injured. Uh, Glasnow and Bieber, obviously uh, Savali, three fantastic pitchers, all could have made the All-Star game. John Means, but I'm leaving them all off because of the injury. And uh, so when I pick this, so when I say who I think is gonna be starting in the game, I'm actually going with who's gonna be starting. Uh, based on how the fan voting is looking. So starting with the American League, I think the catcher is going to be Salvador Perez. He basically leads the majors in all categories amongst catchers. He's still a pretty solid defender, although not the guy he once was. Uh, He's been running away with the the catcher voting. So yeah, he's going to start. First base, come on. It's going to be Vlad Jr. That's not even a question. He's been the best first baseman in baseball all year long. He's been running away with the voting for... Uh, first first base starting position in the American League. It's going to be Vlad Jr. Second baseman is going to be his teammate Marcus Simeon. And look, the, he's pretty close with that two-bait. The voting is neck and neck. They both have had fantastic seasons. And, you know, Simeon, he has a slightly higher war, and he has just one more home run as of right now. And also, I'm putting him the start over at two-bait because I just can't put out two-baits to start because he's a goddamn cheater. Shorts up. Oh, boy. It's going to be the two guys I hate, Bogarts and Correa. I mean, Bogarts, he has a sizable lead right now, and he's also an MVP candidate. He and Carlos Correa have been both pretty damn good on the same level. But I'm going to give it to Xander Bogarts. Uh, I'm going to give his teammate, Rafael Devers, the starting third baseman nod. I mean, Devers, he's been the best offensive third baseman really in all baseball this year. Obviously, he's not the best defender, but his offensive numbers have been better than any third baseman this season in baseball. And plus, you know, it's a relatively close race at third base. He's being backed by the Boston fan base, one of baseball's most passionate fan bases. And yeah, it's going to be Raphael Devers. So the starting outfield, I have Aaron Judge, Michael Brantley, and Mike Trout. And look, Mike Trout, he's not going to play in the All-Star game. But he's leading the fan voting, and it's Mike Tratt. So he's going to get in voted as a starter, even though he's not going to play. Judge, he's going to get in as as a starter. He's one of the best players in baseball. He's put up fantastic numbers this year. Really the only Yankee who's been putting up good numbers and who's been, for the most part, having a consistent season. And yeah, it's going to be Judge. I think the third starter in the outfield will be Michael Brantley. And Buxton does lead the voting now. But Brantley, he's been on a tear since June started. You know, the Astros, they've been pushing this stuff in the ballot box for their guys. I think Brantley, a guy who's having a fantastic season, come out with that fan base, is going to give him the starting nod, especially now with Buxton just getting re-injured. And uh, Houston, they get their guy in. And it's a guy who I actually like on their team who, like I said, what did I say a couple episodes ago? What did I say in the offseason? Trade Clint Frazier, sign Michael Brantley. Should have done that, and now look at it. You know, you would say hindsight's 2020. Well, guess what? I'm not saying that in hindsight. This is what I said in the offseason. And then, so, I'm just going to say, I think if I'm going to put a guy to replace Trout, give me Cedric Mullins. He's going to make it on the bench as the Orioles' representative. Uh, Hell, he should be starting over Mike Trout. I mean, Mullins has had a fantastic season. Leads all outfielders in war. He's been so damn good. One of the best leadoff hitters in baseball. You know, one of the best overall hitters in baseball, actually, for this Orioles team. And he's had a special, special year. And the DH is the guy I was just talking about, Shohei Otani. I mean, he pitched against the Yankees today, struggled. But what is he doing he's not pitching? Just race home runs. And we haven't seen guys do this since the Babe Ruth days, hitting home runs, home runs, home runs, and then the next day going out and pitching a game. Uh, so now I'm going to go for my bench. Uh, My backup catcher is going to be Mike Zuzino. And look, I think it should be Gary Sanchez, should be over Mike Zuzino. But look, Zuzino's going to get the edge here. I know how the voters work. They're not going to give Gary Sanchez, a player who got benched, a player who at one point in the season was considered to be struggling uh, an all-star nod. They're going to give it to Zuzino, especially with the Rays ahead of the Yankees. Him having 17 home runs and a 1.8 war is what's going to get him the nod over Gary Sanchez as the backup catcher. My backup first baseman in the American League are going to be Matt Olson, who he's an MVP candidate also that we're just not talking about enough, simply because of the great seasons of Viaguero Jr. and Shoei Otani. But he's a 2.7 WAR per fan graphs, where I'm getting all my Warren Analytics data from. Uh, he's a 9.51 one OPS, 20 home runs, stellar defense, was on a tear during the month of June. Matt Olson is just a fantastic player. He should be the, you know, he's a case to be the starting first baseman if it's not Vlad Jr. Uh, and my back, other first baseman, I'm gonna put another guy in there is Yuli Girial. Look, I don't like him. He's one of those other cheaters just from the Astros, but he's a 2.4 WAR. His on-base percentage is nearly 400. When you go to his weighted on-base average, it's still a 3.89. He's had a fantastic season for the Astros at 152. Way to to runs created. And it was really between him and Walsh for this last spot, but I gave him the slight edge. Sticking with the Astros, I'm putting out Tuve as the backup second baseman, but there's no second baseman I can justify putting it over out Tuve in his three wars, 17 home runs, his 373 weighted on-base average, plus his great defense with three defensive runs saved. I hate it. And I also hate that I have to put Carlos Correa in there And his 3-7 war. Uh, He's been just as good offensively as Bogarts. And even better defensively, possibly. Six defensive runs saved. And look, I just cannot put Correa in my starting lineup. He's behind in the votes. But I hate to do it. I hate to put three Astros in the All-Star game. It makes me want to vomit putting those cheating scumbags in the All-Star game. Altuve, Correa, two of the big faces. Even Gary, all that racist cheater with with his slanted eyes to you, Darvish thing. I mean, but they deserve it. Fuck, I hate doing this. Other shortstop, gotta go Bo Bichette. You know, he's not doing the eye-popping numbers of those other guys, but he still leads baseball in all of runs. Uh, Backup third baseman. Offensive numbers have been great for Jose Ramirez once again. High OPS. High uh, weighted runs created. Just overall great season for for him, his war is close to three. I'm going to go with the back of outfielders. So, you know, I mentioned Cedric Mullins was the back, back of outfielder. He'll be starting now. I have Mitch hanniger in there, making it as the Mariners representative. And then the last spot was between Mark, Mark, Mark Kana and Adolphus Garcia. I obviously have both of them make it now because Trout is in there. So now one of them makes it over Trout. I mean, Kana, he has a 2.4 war. A 375 on base percentage, 363 weighted on base average. Great defender. He's been very valuable for the Oakland, playing all three outfield spots. And then Adoles Garcia. Uh, he has wars also too. 19 home runs now. You know, he's not a bad defender, much like the other guys in that Texas outfield. 130 weighted runs created plus. So yeah. Overall good season for Garcia. And he makes it as an additional Texas Ranger. The backup DH is J.D. Martinez. Another 15 home run year with 52 RBIs. He just continues to rake the way he does. His weighted on base average is 3.85. J.D. Martinez is just something special. Now I'm going to go with the pitchers here. And look, I'm I'm not putting Otani as a pitcher, although I do believe Otani will pitch in the All-Star game. I just don't think he's going to be Listed as a pitcher so we can at least try to squeeze as many guys in there as possible. Uh, get Cole, he'll make it. Yeah, his numbers have been down since the sticky stuff, especially the strikeouts. He's still not been bad. He's still the ace of the Yankees' staff. Still having a fantastic season. I still think he should be the starter. He's next two guys, Jose Barrios. Look, he's a 3-4-1 ERA. He's 7-2. and He's not had a bad stretch by any means. Uh, he might not be an all-star had every team not needed a representative, but he is the Twins' representative. It would have been Byron Buxton had he not gotten injured, but for now, it's Jose Berrios. And needing a representative, the Detroit Tigers, I mean, Spencer Turnbull was having a solid start to the year. He had the no-hitter. Matthew Boyntonbers weren't bad. Both guys are on the I.L. There's no one really offensively you can bring and say they should be an all-star. So for that reason, I'm saying Casey Mize. Now we get back to the good pitchers. We're going to go with the exciting White Sox duo of Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon. Lance Lynn, a 2.2 ERA. He is over 10 K's point not, per nine innings. A 2.06 ERA. When you just said expected ERA, it's still 2.79. His FIP, which just include, which is just expects average defense behind you, is still 3.09. While Carlos Rodon, his FIP, his expected ERA, and his regular ERA are all below 2.6. He's a 2.8 ERA. He's averaging nearly 13 strikeouts per nine innings. Plus, he had a no-hitter this season, and he's tied for first in the American League in WHIP. He's had a fantastic year, Carlos Rodon. The White Sox definitely deserve to have two of their starters in the All-Star Game. The Shawmonia, that's my guy. You know, you guys know I love Manilla. Now he's six and four. He has a 2.91, 3.01 oh, uh, FIP. Uh, you know he's averaging less than a home run per nine innings, and he's been so big for the Oakland A's this year as the ace of their staff, the guy I've expected him to be. Kyle Gibson. Part of it is given the Rangers just a representative, but hey, his worst two, his ERA is two, and look, he's been a solid pitcher for the Rangers. a guy they can probably flip at the deadline, and he deserves a lot of credit for his fantastic year. Now I'm going to go on to the relievers. Aroldis Chapman. Look, yeah, he struggled a bit as of late. Still the dominant start to the year. Deserving recognition for an All-Star. 16 saves. Nearly 16 strikeouts per 9 innings. His velocity has been up in the 100s in a lot of the games. He developed that new splitter. And the Yankees have been in a ton of close games. And Chapman's been in there to close them out. Yeah, he's struggled a bit lately. It's because he's getting a bit overworked. But without Chapman, this team is in a lot more of a dire position. Uh, we're going to stick and we're going to have Matt Barnes. He is a war that's nearly two. And hell, he's a 1.73 FIP, which is lower than his ERA. His expected ERA is lower than his ERA, so his numbers have been worse than expected. He's averaging nearly 15 strikeouts per nine innings, been massive for Boston, and Barnes has always had good stuff, but this is the year it's come together. He deserves to be an all-star, along with a third White Sox, Liam Hendricks. He's a 1.95 expected ERA, lower than his actual ERA, He leads the American League with 21 saves. He's anchored that Chicago White Sox bullpen. Two surprise names here. Emmanuel Klaes. This guy does not get talked about at all. He's been so damn good for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, he has 11 saves on as many as most of the other guys. His ERA is .85. He's been a goddamn ground ball machine. 73% ground ball rate. Been a surprise bullpen guy for the Cleveland Indians. One of the reasons why... Despite all the injuries, they maintain all this success. Give Clay an All-Star nod. And the last guy, a bit of a surprise guy, is Andrew Kitteridge for the Tampa Bay Rays. Phil, feel like you've got to give the Rays one more person besides Mike Zuzino. And Kitteridge, he can be used as an opener, a closer, a middle reliever. He does a lot. So he's more my surprise guy to include in the All-Star game. Uh, yeah, so that's it for my American League All-Stars. Uh, Lots to talk about. I will write them out in a tweet, though, for everyone who wants to read them later. This just has more of the breakdown. So now we're going to move on to the National League. And some of the positions in the National League seem set. I mean, catcher's going to be Buster Posey. He's been the best catcher in baseball all year. 169 way to run created. One weighted runs created, a three-war, 978 OPS, still solid defense, arguably the best catcher in baseball this year. Buster Posey's had a big bounce back year after looking to be on the downside of his career. Freddie Freeman currently leads the race for the first baseman by something. it should be Max Muncy. His on-base percentage is over 400. He walks 90% of the time, which is just absurd. Six defensive runs saved. He's been doing it, the play- he's been doing it defensively. Max Muncy's a very special player. Should be the starting first baseman. Back to, uh, starting second baseman. Give me Adam Frazier, the surprise kid out of Pittsburgh this year. He's hitting 3.26. His OBP is nearly 400. He's a 2.4 WAR. People want to vote Ozzie Alves because he's not the bigger name, because he plays for the Atlanta Braves, because he has the home runs. But no, it should be Adam Frazier in his fantastic year. Shortstop, come on, Fernando Tatis. Junior Nino is going to be the starting shortstop. I mean, that's a gimme. Uh, third base. This is the closest race right now between Turner, Arenado, and Chris Bryant. I got even the Chris Bryant just because of his versatility this year, playing all the positions. He gets the nod at third base here. Uh, his O P S is 9.47. His weighted on base average is 3.63. His worst, is two, and he's been a key part to the Cubs' success. The outfield, give me the, give me the duo in Cincinnati of Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. Give me Ronald Acuna Jr. These three guys have been three of the best offensive players, not three of the best offensive outfielders, three of the best offensive players in baseball. For a while, we're one through three in OPS. They're still four through six, and a very special, talented group. Now onto the bench, my backup catcher is JT Rio Muto, is worse too. Zoe P is 368. He's at, it's at 998 fielding percentage. And the offensive numbers aren't as good as you might expect with Rio Mudo, still a great defensive year and one of the best catchers in baseball. Back first first baseman's Freddie Freeman. And look, he's had a down year, Freddie. For him, though, he still has a 352 weighted on base average and 17 home runs. There's a reason people are still voting for Freddie Freeman to start in the All-Star game. And I do think he deserves to at least be the backup in the National League. Uh, moving on now, the backup second baseman is going to be Ryan McMahon. Because the, the Rockies need a representative, that's it. He's been their, he's their home run hitter. It's really about it. Shortstop, I mean, we already have Tati starting, but these two next guys I have backing up have had impressive years. Brandon Crawford having a resurgent year for the San Francisco Giants, much like Buster Posey has a 2.4 war, an 8.54 OPS, 17 home runs. Five defensive run saves, looking like the gold glover he's been in years past. 983 fielding percentage. Brandon Crawford is back to being the guy we thought he was. But he's not the only shortstop I have in the reserves. Nope, it's Trey Turner, the man who just hit for the cycle tonight on his birthday. What a great birthday gift. Wow, I just said Ozzy Albies should not be be in the All-Star game. And yet, I just got an alert. He has seven RBIs tonight as the Braves are up 20-2 against the Mets. Ozzy Albion's make me eat my words, and I'm going to have to just make him the starting second baseman all of a sudden. Uh, also, a little alert before I move on. The Yankees, they don't have an update on when this game's going to resume. Uh, they're saying it might resume in the, at 11.10. They'll give an update. Just call the game. The weather's freaking nuts right now. It's enough to call the game. Just, just call it already. Seriously, what are we doing? Uh, anyways, back to the third base. You know, Arenado, he'll be the backup. He's having a bit of a down this year. You know, his OPS only 8.44, only a WAR, only two defensive runs saved. 16 home runs, 45 RBIs. Still the Nolan Arenado we all know and love. The guy the Cardinals traded for. Right now, he's the leader for starting at third base, and he'll be an all-star. Uh, give me Justin Turner as well. His worst 2.2, his 379 on on-base percentage, and his weighted on-base average is 370. so... You know this is legit. 141 Uh, weighted run created. Weighted weighted runs created. Seven double play started. Justin Turner's had a great year for the Dodgers. And I'm putting in another third baseman. Three backup third baseman. That's right. And that's Eduardo Escobar from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, he needs some. The Diamondbacks need somebody, right? Uh, my outfield. Give me Brian Reynolds. I mean, his war is 3. He has a 155 weighted runs created. 397 OBP and weighted on base average. 98 fielding percentage. He had an elite offensive year, and despite how bad the Pirates are, they deserve having him and Frazier as their two all-stars. Now I'm going to go Juan Soto. Still walking a ton. Great job on defense. A 3.4 fielding war. 394 OBP. Give me Juan Soto. Tyler O'Neill, he has 15 home runs. He has 35 RBIs. And in the outfield, the defending Gold Glove winner has four defensive runs saved, a 2.9 fielding war. And look, stellar defensively, solid offensively, deserves to make it for the Cardinals. And last but not least, uh, offensively, Chris Taylor. He's done everything for the Dodgers, playing all all these positions, qualifies as the outfield this year. 2.2 war, 8.25 OPS, 134 weighted runs created. With all the injuries, he's been big, playing solid defense and contributing to this team. Uh, I'm gonna move on to the pitchers. Starting pitcher Jacob Degrom. I mean, I'm not giving. I'm not gonna even ask any stats. It's just obvious. Max Scherzer. I'm look. He missed a couple starts with injury. His worst is still 2.5. Still has 119 strikeouts, a 2.14 ERA, a 3.07 FIP. Yeah, Max Scherzer deserves to be in the All-Star game still. Same with Zach Wheeler, having a fantastic year for the Philadelphia Phillies. Second in the National League with 130 strikeouts, which is 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. A 2.2 ERA, 2.37 FIP, with a 3.8 war. Amazing year for Zach Wheeler, a potential Cy Young candidate in the National League, although DeGrom's running away with it. Also, Brandon Woodruff. lost a team like the Padres, Brewers, and Dodgers. I was between a lot of their pitchers, but went with one guy. We'll drop in his 2.7 war, his 1.87 ERA, his 119 strikeouts. Gets the nod for the Brewers for me. Getting the Dodgers nod for me is Trevor Bauer. And, look, he leads the baseball with 137 strikeouts. It's 2.59 ERA. He's got to do something. My Padres representative is Yu Darvish over Joe Musgrove. The 2.6 war, 11 strikeouts per nine innings. You know, he's been fantastic. The great whip for the Padres. Been everything they could have asked for in the trade. Of course, I gotta go Kevin Galsman, a two point eight war, a one point six eight ERA. He's eight and two. Most of his analytics peripherals are all under three. He's had such a great, great surprise year for the San Francisco Giants. Taylor Rogers, the Marlins representative. He is a 214 ERA, a 260 FIP, 110 strikeouts, been a stud for the Marlins. Moving on to my relievers, we have four dominant relievers. Alex Reyes of the St. Louis Cardinals, a 9.8 ERA with 19 saves. Josh Hader, a 1.9 war for a closer. And 20 saves, .55 ERA, 15.15 strikeouts per nine innings pitch, and a .88 FIP. That's insane. His FIP is under one. Josh Hader has been so damn good. And also Craig Kimbrell. He is back. The Kimbrough, we all thought he was washed up. Well, guess what? Craig Kimbrough is back with a .59 ERA, a 1.13 FIP, a 1.7 war, 20 saves, 15.43 strikeouts per nine innings. And last but not least, the strikeout leader, or the saves leader of all the closers, Mark Melanson of the San Diego Padres. A couple other things. First off, congratulations to Mississippi State winning the College World Series against Vanderbilt. And Mississippi State deserved it after Vanderbilt unfairly got into the College World Series championship game. I mean, Vanderbilt, they lost the first game against NC State. And NC State had a little bit of a COVID emergency. They still played the second game, and Vanderbilt won. So it was 1-1. And even though they played the game, all of a sudden, NC State is removed from the tournament despite playing the game after after the COVID issue happened. That's just ridiculous. They got, kicked out of the, they got kicked out of the tournament unfairly when they had a legitimate chance to win this College World Series. NC State had been on a magical run, and instead they got robbed of a chance to compete for the national championship. You know, had they not played that second game, okay, maybe you can say something, but how do you let this team play a game, and then after this Thursday they had COVID issues, and then say after they played that game, yeah, they're kicking them out of the tournament. Just disgraceful from the NCAA's part. And I'm glad that Mississippi State is the national championship because Vanderbilt, had they won, would have always had an asterisk next to their name. But congratulations to the Bulldogs. Brandon Walker, BW, he is just so damn happy right now. We all know that. And it's awesome. And some other big news on the college front. It's official. College athletes will be able to profit off their name and likeness. No more of this. Oh, you signed an autograph, you're getting suspended five games. It's about damn time these college players can endorse themselves. I've been waiting. I have been waiting so long for this. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not the only one. I've seen like five different people post on their social media about how, oh yeah, I wrote a paper on this about how this should happen, how college athletes should be able to profit off their likeness. So this has been an issue for people who are college athletes, regular people like me, multiple people who I know who I've written about, including... Uh, guests of the program, Nicole Woodstock and Vinnie And uh, You know my friend Henry Zhu. He also said he wrote something about it. So lots of people. This has been a this has been a hot on issue for lots of people, and I'm so glad that athletes are finally able to profit off their likeness. It's about damn time. After the NCAA makes all this money off these athletes, the athletes can finally finally make money for themselves. And who knows? Maybe we can put these athletes in the NCAA video game when it comes back. That just, it's awesome. It's, I'm glad they did this, and good news for, good, it's good for, good for the sport. Excuse me, great for the sport, great for all college athletics. Uh, I'm going to move on now, talk some Euros. Uh, so they've been entertaining as fuck. I'm not going to lie. I'll be honest, though. I missed day one of the Euros. It's all Denmark. They kind of cruised. In Italy, they were pushed to the brink. Uh, you know, I missed the Czech win as well. I watched some of that Belgium game. But day three, I mean, day three was madness, and it's why we love the Euros. Uh, Spain, they're up 3-1. to one. It looks like they're in complete control. I turned the game off. All of a sudden, I see they're an extra time against uh, Croatia, who scored two goals at the end, forced extra time. Spain took over in the extra time, but it was such exciting. High high octane offense, extra time. Spain wins 5-3. to three. They move on. But that France game, oh, man, Switzerland, they strike first to go up 1-0, and all, but it's a close game. They have a penalty, the chance to go up 2-0, but they miss it. From there, France starts to roll. A beautiful first touch by Kareem Benzema. They get the lead. It uh, leads to the tying goal. Two minutes later, they score. Benzema scores again. It's 2-1. And in the 75th minute, Pogba delivers a 70-minute beauty Papa makes it 3-1 with that beautiful shot, effectively sealing that France versus Switzerland game. Or so we thought, because in the final 10 minutes, Switzerland rallies, scores two goals, somehow forces extra time against France. France, arguably the best team in in all of soccer, they're the favorite to win the Euros, and this game's going to extra time where both teams had some looks, but in the end, no one scored, and we go to penalties. The penalty shootout, Both teams had nerves of steel, hitting all their PKs, 9 for 9. And here comes Kylian Mbappe, one of the best players in the world, the leader of this French club. No way he's going to miss it. And sure enough, of all players, Kylian Mbappe is the one who misses the penalty. It gets blocked by the goalie. And France, the defending World Cup champions, the favorite to win the Euros, stunningly get eliminated in this tournament. And, you know, this is why. Anything can happen in these tournaments. The Euros, the World Cup. And that's one of the reasons why the game of soccer is so damn beautiful. And you, you have to feel bad for France. It's a tragedy. It's a heartbreaking upset. Stunning. And the only guy who missed the penalty. It's heartbreaking for the French. It's heartbreaking for me, who had a future on France to win the Euros. But man, it's been a special tournament. You had England. Their 2 to nothing win over Germany, which was exciting throughout the game. Uh, They got the best of a team who always had their number in international play. Look, It starts off with Raheem Sterling's goal. Grealish puts on the dagger. Mueller had a great chance to make it 1-1 after following Raheem Sterling's goal. He misses it. It haunts the Germans. And Germany now loses. The last game was Ukraine-Sweden. And, you know, this isn't a sexy matchup. Ukraine-Sweden. But holy shit, what a game. Another game that goes to extra time. And Sweden, a controversial call. They were left with just 10 men. And this was they still hung around. Looks like it's gonna go to PK's. But it was the latest goal ever in Euros tournament history. The 121st minute Ukraine scores the game-winning goal, and they move on shockingly to face England now. Setting up an exciting, exciting quarterfinals matchups. The quarterfinals start Saturday. Uh, I think Spain's gonna beat Switzerland. I think Italy's defense is going to give Belgium some trouble up front. But I think Belgium does get that victory. And I think Denmark and England both pull off the victory Saturday. And uh, in the end, Belgium and England will meet in the final. And in the end, England is going to win. You know what? It's coming home, baby. It is coming home. England is going to win the World Cup. You heard it here. You heard it here, false Folks. England is going to win. The World Cup is coming home. It is coming home, baby. Let's, I'm pulling for England. I'm pulling for my former co-workers. pulling for my family friends. The Nissies. Let's go, England, baby. And we're gonna move on now. NBA playoffs. There's more Madness. The Bucks and the Hawks. Both Trey Young and Giannis Antetokounmpo are both hurt. And hell, even without Trey Young, the Hawks dominated the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh even this was even before the Giannis injury. Once he got hurt, it did look serious. The way he grabbed his knee, reports came back today, no structural damage, thank God. And just more. I am I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I'm not talking about the injuries again. But hey, with the, with, the, with the knees, you don't know if Giannis is going to be back this series. Trey probably going to come back. It's a very wide-open series. And if Giannis does not come back, I don't see any way the Bucs win this series. I think it's going to go 7. But if it goes to game 7, I don't think the Bucs will have enough without Giannis to win. So it will go 7. I think the series does go 7. If Giannis does come back, I think the Bucs will win in 7. But if he doesn't, give me the Hawks in 7. Uh, I'm currently watching Suns Clippers, I'm going to give you guys my recap. After this game ends... Right now, it's a close game, or not too close of a game. It was a close game at the half, with the Suns up nine, but now they're up eighty-two to sixty-eight. Uh, you know, before I'm, I'll talk about this game in a second. First off, this series has been pretty entertaining. You had the fantastic game two with the DeAndre and buzzer beater dunk, uh, which was awesome. But it was one of those. It was a ref show, and the refs made it all about themselves. Uh, the final minute and a half took 33 minutes, which would just not be happening in a basketball game, and we had the slow ending in game for also where the Suns eventually went up three to one. So it's been an issue with this series. Uh, right now the Suns are up 82 to 70. Uh, yeah, I'll come back at the end of the game, uh, re-discuss my thoughts on the end of the game, and I'll wrap up the show and have this posted for you guys after. It's now 17. And at this point, I'm going to assume the Suns are going to move on. I just want the Clippers to have the offensive firepower to come back in this game. So I feel pretty good about picking the Suns now and saying they're in the finals. Congratulations, Phoenix Suns. We're four wins away from winning the finals. And I say we because I have a future on the Suns where your boy that's 400 if the Suns win the NBA finals. Chris Paul, it's about damn time he goes to the finals. I've been waiting. Waiting, waiting so long. I'm a CP3 stan. I'm so happy for him. What a run it's been for the Suns. You can say, oh, it's been Mickey Mouse. I hurt Nuggets team. I hurt Lakers team. I hurt Clippers team. I don't care. They still made the finals. And, yeah, I love this Phoenix Suns team. I'll be rooting for them. I love my guy CP3. Congrats to them. And I'm excited to see what they can do. It's been a special year. Clippers, there's some question marks about Kawhi and, and his happiness. They swim in the conference finals. I'm not sure what to expect with Kawhi. I mean, remember, he did leave two championship contenders to to come and force his way to L.A., where he really wants to be. Speaking of of championships, the Lightning, they're up 2-0. They just won their second game of the Stanley Cup, and they appear to win well on their way to a second consecutive Stanley Cup victory this year over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, So that's about it for other sports. We're going to do my usual my top 5 category. So last time last time we did tougher top 5, we did first time we did the NFL top 5 receiving duos. Second time we did college basketball, the top 5 college basketball stadiums I'd want to go to. Here we're going to do the top 5 Ohio State football games I've ever attended as my as a student there. So I'm going to start off with number 5 was 2019 Ohio State Michigan State uh, that was the first time I got to go in a game in the shoe with my dad, which was very meaningful to me. You know, he, I, the only time I'd gotten a game with him was at Rutgers, uh, so this was awesome. Plus, it was a night game where we've only had three night games my time at Ohio State: twenty sixteen Nebraska, which was close to being five, and we had my sophomore year when we lost to Oklahoma. A loss is not going to be in one of the best games I've ever been to. Uh, we, it was a blackout game, so you know, we actually wore a theme. Everyone was dressed in black. and It's very rare that we do those themes, blackout the shoe, the way Penn State does whiteout. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a chance to see Justin Fields, who is my favorite Ohio State player. He's just the man. And that's one thing I will say is I do wish I, uh, I did go to more games my senior year. You know, I spent a lot of my time drinking then selling my ticket and making money, drinking all day, because w- it would have been great to go see more, more Fields live. Number four is uh, Bowling Green versus Ohio State from 2016. And this is my first ever game as a student. Uh, this was just awesome. I mean, first ever game day, the party, special place in my heart. We put up 77 points. Of course, now the Clippers, it's a 10-point game. As I said, it might have been over. Uh, but yeah, we put up 77 points. And If you were all be honest, I don't really remember the first quarter here. Just good time, just a great fun time to be at. I loved it. <laughs> um, yep, can't believe it's just a ten-point game all of a sudden. Oh, wow, but regardless, it was a good time. Uh, you know, there's a chance to be a great game, but I only would have more fun as I did at these next three games, including number three, which was 2018 Ohio State versus that team up north. And when we're that team up, when we play that team up north, it's gonna be awesome no matter what. You know, they were the number four team in the country. We were number nine. You know, we, we've been kind of sloppy all year. We got blown up by Purdue. And everyone kind of road off Ohio State, even a lot of fans. How do we respond? 63 points, the most ever we put up against that team up north. Uh, 60 to 39 win, And you can say, oh, was it a blow? It was a blow. Why is that a fun game? When you blow your rival out that much after all the shit they talked and to the keep them – the end. The, and Michigan season that way excuse me that team up North season that way. it was so much fun. Like I said that day is like a freaking holiday. number two was 2019 Ohio State Penn State. That was my last game as a student and' one, it was awesome seeing fields play again one of the three times I really got to see him play live. Great seats good view of the field. it was overcast but it wasn't it was enough to see fields he made some good plays. I got to reflect on my time as a student. Uh, it was the first time in my four years we finished a regular season undefeated. So that, that was awesome. By far the best team in my four years there. Getting to see them cap off the, right, the, the undefeated home regular season was really special. Got to storm the field. Say goodbye to the shoe. Say goodbye to game day. And it was just an emotional, overall emotional day for me. But an awesome day. And my number one overall game, overall game I've been to as an Ohio State as a student at Ohio State. In fact, this is what, probably the number one overall game I've ever been to, is Ohio State Michigan in 2016. I mean, this game had it all. It's you know, it was my freshman year. I came back after Thanksgiving for the game, something that most students do. It's the biggest rivalry in all of college football, and I'll tell you, it was one of the most fun days of my life. We treat this game day like a goddamn holiday. Waking up at 4.30 in the morning to start pre-gaming. Our bars up went up at 5.30 in the morning for dollar drinks. And yeah, it's a whole giant party. And you know, yeah, I, yeah, 2018 was just as much of a party. But the reason why this game is number one is just because the quality of the game itself was just such a tremendous game. Going to double overtime. I mean, like I said, you start drinking at 4 in the morning. Bars open at 5.30. Just one giant party. But this game, it was lived up. We were number two. They were number three. If we win this game, we're in the college football playoff. So there's a ton on the line here. Feels like we're going to lose. But we're down 10. We're struggling offensively. Our only points were off a pick six. But we come back. We force overtime. And eventually double overtime. Let me tell you, when we're up seven in that first overtime and it's fourth down and goal, I've never heard a stadium so loud. I literally was, like, being lifted in the air by the eruptions on the bleachers. Uh, But then Marcus Speedy throws a touch on that tie. It's somehow in that noise. Double overtime. And all of a sudden, first we have Curtis Samuel, who I love. It's third down. He's going to get tackled for a huge loss. Somehow reverses field. Sets up fourth and one where JT Barrett gets the first down. And, oh, my God, big at that game. I feel like that review took two goddamn years watching it. It's so exhilarating, heart-pounding. And, yeah, he got the first down. It's been proven. Yeah, he got the first. I'm not going to say he didn't. People who still talking about it grow up. And so much anxiety. Next play, Samuel outside. Ohio State wins it. A walk-off win. Just, oh, my God. This literally was just everything. Made it the best, everything about it. Just the party from the beginning of the day, from waking up at 4 in the morning. To the quality, to the, how hyped the game was, 2 versus 3. To the quality of the game, double overtime. And Ohio State winning on a walk-off to clinch their playoff spot. And honestly, probably is the best ever game I've ever been to, period. And one of the many highlights of my time at Ohio State. A uh, little update, still a 10-point game as we are about to end the third quarter here. Uh hopefully I didn't jinx the Suns. Uh but yeah, I'm, I'm if, if if the Clippers win, I will come back and re-record. If not, I'm just gonna keep things the way they were. Uh before I end the show, a couple honorable mentions about some of the games. Uh from 2016, there was the Ohio State Tulsa game where there was a huge rain delay. People left. I went down to the front row behind the end zone, got to watch that. There was the Nebraska game I mentioned, which was my first ever night game, which was awesome. 2016 Indiana my friend Joe came to visit 2017 there was Ohio State Rockers, where you know I was home for the game in New Jersey that was fun uh there was Ohio State Penn State where probably as a, in the quality of a game that might have been better than the Michigan game from 16 but I was sick I had like strep throat I left that game when I was 28 to 10 one of my biggest regrets from college 2018 it was Ohio State Michigan State at East Lansing and 2019 was the FAU game when I went to go see Justin Fields. Stayed for the first three possessions. It was 21-0, and then I left. Anyways, that's my show. Unless the Clippers come back and win this game. I want to thank everybody who supported the podcast thus far. And again, I want to apologize for the mic issues. Hopefully I get that resolved soon. Again, go follow the View on Twitter for all my latest live game reactions. Go follow the View podcast on Instagram all my latest live episode releases. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.